welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to kick off from a scripture in 1 Peter, uh, and this is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. As Simon said, I warn you now, I, I do like to teach out of the Word of God, uh, and I believe that you know, the Holy Spirit is going to take that and, and open our eyes and our ears. So um, 1 Peter 3, 10, um, I'm going to read to you, and he's actually quoting from the Old Testament as well. So it's, uh, it's there in Peter, but it's also in Psalms. So I'll read you the, 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 the first Peter verse, and then I'll read it to you in Psalms. They're pretty similar, but uh, slightly different. So Peter says this, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. And uh, he's really drawing from Psalm 34, uh, verse 12 and 13, which says, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. So Peter has uh, reached back into the Old Testament and pulled up something that David wrote centuries before that. Uh, and he says, and he's, quotes that to his people listening to him because he sees in here that there is a, a principle that's going to lead them to life. Uh, and so he, you know, it begins with a bit of a question there. Uh, you know, whoever would love life and see good days. So do we have any takers today? Who, who would be in for that? Yeah, good. Okay, so he's, yeah, that's, that's who he's speaking to. Uh, and... He, 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 he brings out what's a logic statement. He says, if, if you're in that group, if you love life and, and, and you would want to see good days, then this is the way forward. This is the way to progress. So he's, he's, he's leading them along because he wants them to understand something here. So like I said, if, you know, if I, I was to ask who here wants the good life, then we'd probably get most people put up their hands, Right. Yeah, there's not too many people out there going, oh, yeah, I want my life to be awful. <laughs> uh, I think most of us actually are keen to actually to have a good life, but um, the definition of what a good life is or is defined by the things that we love. So if I love uh, sports and food, then a good life will be a life that's full of sports and food. Uh, and so when people say, I want a good life, what they're really saying is, I want a lots of what I like, what I love. Uh, and so we're going to have to look at that a little bit and go, well, you know, how do we, what are we defining or what is Peter defining as good? Uh, and so just forgive me because I, as a teacher, I do like to look at the, the original languages. So the words you use here, uh, to love life is agarpen zoe. So agarpen, agarpen, you may have heard, is a, uh, comes from the agape, uh, which means to love as God loves. To love in a way that brings you to action. Okay? Some of you might have heard John three, sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So agape love is love that moves you to action. It moves you to do something. 
And so if he says, okay, uh, if you agapan zoe. Now zoe uh, in, or zoean uh, is um, defined in the Greek as spirit life or life as God has it. It's the, it's the ultimate of life. And so if you kind of bring those two words together, uh, what, you, what, you, what he's saying is that to love life is to have the vision of your life that aligns with God's vision of your life. That's, that's really what he's, he's pointing out here, is that uh, Jesus said he came to give us Zoe, John 10.10, 10, he says, I came to give you life and life in its fullness. And Simon mentioned, you know, in the, in the first service, I had said, you know, Jesus didn't come to die so we can go to heaven. He came to give us fullness of life on the earth. And heaven's a byproduct of that. And so that's what this is about when he's saying that um, I want to lead you into the fullness of life. To love life is to actually love the vision of life of your life that aligns with the vision that God has over your life. That's, that's what this is, uh, verse is referring to. Uh, and then, so that's the if, but then he goes, so if that's what you want, if, that's, if you could put your hand up to that, say, yes, I would like that. I would like my life to be this, aligned with what God has said and God has dreamed over my life. Uh, then he says, then, uh, and here's the second part of the statement, which is, uh, keep, he must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. So what we have here is an example in the Psalms of what they call Hebrew poetry or Hebrew parallelism. So the two things line up. So you know we have in the first part, if you would love life and want to see good days. So loving life and seeing good days are lined up. But in the second part, you have must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. So evil speaking is, is, is speaking that is deceitful. It's not aligned to the truth. And this is where it gets interesting, okay? He uses, this is the Greek phrase here, mu lalase dolan. So the mu lalase is do not speak. It's do not say or speak this. But then he says, Dulan, and that's an interesting word. So when I looked it up, this is what that word means. This is how it's defined in by the Vines Word Book. It's defined this way: using bait to allure people, especially those already festering in excessive pain, brought on by themselves. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, "Wow, okay, that's interesting." You see, this is the, the thing. Satan wants to use the pain in our lives as bait to prompt us to speak lies about ourselves. And he knows that if he can do that, then he can block us from living the fullness of life that God wants us to have and seeing the good days that God visioned for you in your life. And this is a very real thing around our identity and our purpose, that sometimes uh, there are lies spoken by others to you or by yourself about yourself, about who you are, 
and those lies create pain in your life and the devil will stir that up to try to get you to speak ill of yourself so that he can rob from you your destiny and um, the ability to walk in the good days and the things that God has for you. So we've just shone a light on the devil's schemes here because he's out there and doing this. So earlier this year, I published a book called Understanding the Call of God. Um, yeah, have you read it? <laughs> um, and, you know, um, God, you know, the Spirit of God encouraged me to, re- uh, to, to write this. And at the beginning of the writing of it, I had this really strange experience. I was in bed and, um, you know, sleeping, as you do. Uh, and suddenly I heard just weeping, this crying. And I was like, what is that? So I got up, or went, we had a boarder living with us, so I thought, well, maybe our boarder's upset or something. So I went and sort of listened at her door, and I was like, no, it's not her. So went back to bed again, laid down, put my head on the pillow. I could hear this weeping again. And I was like, what? So I thought, maybe my wife's crying. <laughs> you know? Oh, I had a look at her. She was sound asleep. Sleeping beauty. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, well, I thought, well, maybe I'm just, this is crazy, but um, maybe I'm just imagining things. So I, I went out to sleep again, and I, as I put my head put the, on the pillow, I, just, I heard this weeping right by my head. And I was like, you know, the third time you kind of think, God, what's going on? You know, like Samuel in the Bible, when he got up and then went down and up and down. Third time, okay, I think God's doing something here. And I was like, God, what, what, what is this? Why, why am I hearing this weeping? And God said this to me, and this is exactly what the Holy Spirit spoke into my spirit. He said, the book that you're writing, unless it connects with people's pain, it is nothing. I was like, okay. And suddenly I realized that around the area of identity and calling, there is a huge amount of pain in people's hearts. And the devil is using it to, to stir up lies and deceit about who we are so he can steal from our destiny and curse our identity. I was like, ha! No way. No way. I love what Paul says. He says we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. Once we realize that the enemy is doing this, then we have to take a stand. So that's what I'm going to do with you today briefly is just to sort of Speak into that area. Is everybody okay? We, we're going with this? Okay, that's great. I said to Simon after the first service, and because I, I speak in different churches around the country, you know, when I start, some, some, some sermons you preach, you know, it's like a, Rah, yeah, yeah. this one tends to go quiet because <laughs> it's quite deep. And, and so that's okay. It's good. It's good to have that. So here is an experience that John the Baptist had, because John starts his preaching, and he, um, you know, the, the, the bigwigs of Jerusalem all get stirred up about who is this long-haired prophet in the desert out there stirring up all the people. So they send out some people to go and, and check it out. Uh, and they get there, and they start to ask questions of John about, you know, who he is, and he's a little bit of elusive. And then finally, they, they say this to him. Uh, this is in John one twenty two. They say to him this, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? 
Now, I would contend to you today that those two questions are vital questions for you to answer. Who are you and what do you say about yourself? This is essential. This is foundational. It's a, it's a question that we all must answer. And if we get answers to those questions that align with the truth, align with God's truth, then it's going to enable us to live well and experience good days. Amen? So that's what we're after. That's what we're going to go for. So I'm sure you're probably going, well, Colin, how does that work? How do I answer that question? That's the $60,000 question at this point. Let me just quickly jump back into Genesis because I'm going to give you a little bit of background to help you understand how this works. So if you go back to Genesis, what you find is God doing two things. First of all, He creates and then He calls. Those are the two things that you see Him doing in Genesis 1. Let me give you an example. Genesis 1.3 says this, God said, let there be light. So He created the light. Uh, and then it says he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So when God creates, he first creates and then he calls. That is, he gives a name to something that reflects the essential character and function of that thing. So I would suggest that, uh, well, I would more than suggest, I believe that when you were created, God created you and He called you. You were created and you were called. And that call basically is the ability to, to, to connect with someone's call is the ability to call that person by their true name. That's what we're talking about here. The ability to call somebody by their true name. So let me give you an example of that. Um, and I just again, I'm just draw this from, from Genesis because I believe that your true name, my true name, the name that God called me when he created me has three aspects to it. First of all, it has history. Second, it has activity. And thirdly, it has legacy. That's the elements of what that name carries. So if we look at Adam uh, right back early in the Bible there, uh, we see that uh, Adam was created and he was created from the earth. Now, uh, it's a bit of a play on the words because the Hebrew word Adama means earth. So Adam was created from Adama. So he was created from the earth, which means he came from somewhere. Can I say this to you? Your life did not begin when you arrived. You were you came from something. And that is actually part of who you are. You arrived here on earth and you already had uh, ancestors, you had culture, you had things that were part of the, the formation of who you are. So none of us arrived here from nothing. Just like Adam, God could have created from nothing, but he didn't. He created from the earth. He started with something. And so we don't just arrive on the scene as in, Pooh, whoa, suddenly you arrived. No, there is a story about you that preceded you, and that is your history, that is your people, that is your papa. that is the 
the roots from which you are drawn. And it's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. And we need to acknowledge that if we're really going to understand what my true name is. The second thing that it, it does, we see that Adam, he was taken from the earth, but then we see that he was called to work the earth. Genesis 2.15, the land, um, sorry, the Lord took the, Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. And so this is his activity. This is what he was called to do. He was, and it was in his name. Yeah, he came from the land, but he was called to work the land as well as part of his identity and part of the function that God called him to do. And I would say each one of us has that as well. We have history, but we also have uh, something that God has actually given for us to do that lines with who we are. And the third part of this is that then uh, it overflows into legacy. Unfortunately, Adam's legacy was not great, but what we see is that when Adam and Eve sinned, a lot of us think, oh, Adam and Eve sinned, and so they came under the curse of God. If you look back in Genesis, you'll find that God did not curse Adam and Eve. What happened was he, because of their sin, he cursed the earth. So the legacy of Adam, the one who came from the earth and who worked the earth, the unfortunate legacy of Adam was a curse to the earth, the soil. And so those three things, history, activity, legacy, all start to function in terms of understanding who we are and what our true name is. Is everyone okay? Okay, that's cool. <laughs> We're good just to keep going a little bit longer? Okay, let me just give you another example of this, and, the, and this is a great example because it's Jesus. Do we have any Jesus lovers out there? Yeah. <laughs> good. So Jesus actually, his life displays this as well. Uh, and if we just quickly look back into First uh, Peter, this is First Peter 2.21. He says this, and this is interesting. He said, Christ suffered for you by uh, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. And then in verse 22, he says this, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. So the word there, deceit, is the same word that he used before about um, that, you know, the bait that we, you know, get baked and drawn into through uh, the pain in our lives. And Peter says Jesus didn't have that. There was no deceit in his mouth. And what that means is basically this. He told the truth about himself. He told the truth about himself. That's because he knew where he came from. He knew what he was called to do. And he knew what his legacy was. So when the trial came, when the testing came, he was able to stand. Uh, and we see that because he has a moment a little bit like uh, that of John the Baptist, uh, when the high priests, you know, this is just before the crucifixion, and he's standing there, and the high priest is uh, challenges him, and he says, you know, on an oath to tell the truth, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God, and Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. And so, in that little statement, there's two really important things. First of all, he says, yes, I am a Son of God, which means that is my history. I actually proceeded from the Father. This is where I came from. 
And so he acknowledges his whakapapa. He acknowledges his background, his history. He says, I am a son of God. I am proceeding from the Father. The second thing he does is he acknowledges his activity. He says, yes, I am the Christ. The Christ means the Messiah or the anointed one. The anointed one who the Holy Spirit came on to preach good news to the poor, to release the kingdom of God. He says, yes, I am that person. So he knows where he's come from and he knows what he was called to do. He was called to do the work that the Messiah was meant to do, was to release God's kingdom uh, and to bring uh, health and healing to the world. But then he goes on in the next verse to tell them his legacy. He says this, But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming in clouds of glory. So not only I'm going to tell you where I came from, I'm going to tell you what I was called to do, but I'm going to tell you what my legacy will be. And on that day, you will look to the clouds and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God, coming with the power and glory with the angels. Isn't that good? Yeah. And because Jesus knew his identity, he knew where he came from, he knew what he was called to do, and he knew where he was going, he could stand secure and unmoved in the face of the opposition that was coming against him. Yeah, isn't that great? And that's true for you, and that's true for me, that as you walk through your life, whatever comes, whatever the trial comes, if you know where you've come from, you know what you're called to do, and you know what your legacy is, you will stand. You will make a stand, because you will not be um, swayed by the enemy who wants to use, try to use pain in you to get you to lie about yourself. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to stand in that place. And this is what God is, is, is wanting to do. Let me just share very quickly on, on my own journey. And so um, I'm a Kiwi, but my family are from England. And um, I know that the Lord brought me to this nation because I remember once I was sitting uh, by the coast and I had a vision. And in the vision, I saw a ship and I said, God, what's that ship? I saw it in the Spirit. And he said, that's the ship that I brought you to this nation in. And so it was his intent to bring me here, even though I was brought in the, in the body of my parents because I wasn't even born when they came. My grandfather was a stone carver. Uh, and I've got these pictures, these amazing ornate stone carvings that he did, uh, angels and all sorts of beautiful stuff. But primarily what he did was that he um, carved did carvings to restore churches that were broken down during the Second World War. So I have a picture of him hanging upside down at the top of St. Paul's Cathedral, chipping away. <laughs> yeah, have any of you been to St. Paul's Cathedral? It is very high. <laughs> um, you see, he was called to restore the churches after destruction. So that's where I've come from. That's my history. Jump forward to my life now, and you know I've been in ministry since I was 24 years old. So that's three years now. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you I was very good at math, but <laughs> so I've been in ministry for a few years. Um, 
But, you know, back a little bit, I had another one of those nighttime experiences where I, I woke up in, in, in the night and I looked at my clock and it said 4.44. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It didn't mean anything to me, so I went back to bed, back to sleep. Next night, I woke up in the night, looked at my clock, 4.44. I was like, oh, that's freaky. <laughs> when it happened the next night again, I was like, okay, God, you're probably doing something here. And the Lord said to me this, he said, add it up. Uh, yep, okay, so four plus four plus four, I, I can do some math, uh, is 12. And the Lord said, Ephesians 4.12. So, okay, so I looked at Ephesians 4.12 and um, many people perhaps know that Ephesians 4.11 talks about the ministries of the church, you know, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. Uh, and I, uh, but if you get to verse 12, it says this, that the function of those was to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ will be built up. Ah, so what my grandfather was doing, I'm called to do, to build up the church after the ravages of this age, to bring the church into its fullness so it can fulfill, it can do the works of service, it can fulfill the call that it was meant to do. Oh, that's my activity. That's why I now know what I do. You know, where I'm speaking in churches, whether I'm writing books, whether I'm teaching in Bible colleges, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm doing out of that because I know what God has called me to do. And not only that, but out of that will come my legacy. And my legacy, uh, God gave me Isaiah 59, I think it's verse 23. And it says this, and it's a promise that the Lord has, I've walked with for many years. He said, Colin, he said, this is my covenant with you that the spirit that I have placed in you and the words that I have placed in your mouth, by the way, my ministry is called Words of Life. The words that I have placed in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your children, nor from the mouth of your children's children. That is legacy. That is legacy. Thank you. Now, you might say, well, that's nice Colin, to hear that story, but you see, the thing is, my story is your story because God is not, he doesn't make special people. We're all special people to him. And so the reality is that God's intent is not that we're born, we muddle through life, we get a job, we do this, we do that, and then we sort of retire and look back and go, oh, what was that about? You see, the thing is that the inheritance that Jesus came to give us is a life in its fullness, which means that you understand who you are. You know what God's called you to do and what he's not called you to do. See, I'm not running around trying to be an evangelist. I'm not running around trying to, 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 to be a, a leader as such. I'm called to be a teacher, so I'm okay in that. I don't feel bad about doing things that I'm not made or created to do. When you know who you are, you stop comparing yourself with other people. You start feeling bad and stop feeling bad that you're not doing what they're doing because you're not them. And that the Word of God over your life is different. And suddenly you get to shine because you are you, a Word that was uniquely spoken by God at your creation. And you walk in that and life starts to become good. Yeah. 
That is what Jesus, one of the things Jesus came to give us when he said, I want to give you life in its fullness. So that is, that's, that's what I'm here to, to stir up in you today. Uh, and I wanted to say in closing, there's just a few things. First of all, uh, and this is true for young people and old people, older people like myself, um, there is process in this. There is process. And so once you get this understanding, you can connect with the process that God has you in. So if you, I, as I say, I wrote a book, it's available at the back if you'd like to buy a copy, um, called Understanding the Call of God. In that book, you'll, you get to look into the lives of some of the people of Scripture, Abraham, Joseph, Martha, um, John the, uh, Paul, and John the Baptist, I think. Um, and you see how God's hand shaped their lives for purpose. So as you read that, what I'm believing and what I've seen is the Holy Spirit take out of that and apply it to your journey so you can start to understand what God is doing in bringing you into your call and your fullness of life. Um, so there is a process to it. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, but God, that's where God wants to lead us. And once we know where we're going, then you go, start to move in that direction. That's why I'm here today, to tell you that. One of the few things uh, Simon would know, I used to be a bikey. Uh, <laughs> I used to ride motorbikes, uh, big and loud motorbikes. The bigger and the louder, the better. Uh, <laughs> um, and I just, one of the things I learned as a motorbiker is that where you look is where you go. So if you look over there, that's where your bike is going. <laughs> So I learned quickly to, to, to get my gaze where I wanted to go. What I'm hoping here today is that I could, you where I want to go. And you will move your gaze towards that. God, I want to live that kind of life. I want to have, understand who I am. I want to know where I come from and what you've got me to do. I'm going after that. As you begin to look at that, your life will begin to move in that direction. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.